Irving. Michael's making sure I'm on my toes. That's right. Here's the thing. How many know it's very easy to make Jesus look like what we want him to look like? How many know that we get in and we decide, I, I, I'm going to step back, I, and just to give you an example, Thomas Jefferson, anybody remember our third president? Thomas Jefferson, he had his own scripture. What he did was he opened his version of the King James Bible, cut out in the Gospels, cut out everything that had to do with the supernatural, everything that had to do with miracles, everything that had to do with anything, power of God or, or, or Holy Spirit, and only left the historic aspects of Jesus, a.k.a. Jesus went from here to here, Jesus wept, Jesus taught on the, Mount, uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, the good aspects where they can turn it into moral teachings, but removed all the supernatural might and power of God and said, now, this is a Bible I can read. What did Thomas Jefferson do? He created his own who? He created his own Jesus, didn't he? How many people know that many times we want Jesus to really just look, we, we don't want to look like Jesus, we want Jesus to look like who? Oh, I'm going to get a little deeper. Who can, who, who, who can stand just a hair of digging? Lane says meddling. Can I meddle just for one time today? Are we game for meddling? All right. Let's, Jordan is always game. What Jesus does the American church serve? That's not a criticism. I'm just asking you to take a look for a moment. Because many times when we see the Jesus that we see historically and in, 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 in supernaturally in the Word of God, <laughs> we can see the major, major divisions amongst even our denominations, individual churches over really who Jesus is. Amen? But here's the thing. Jesus Christ born of a virgin, prophesied about thousand years, thousands of years prior, amen, existed thousand, before we can even, you know, His beginning. There was no beginning to Jesus. In Him and through Him, all things were created, amen. What He said was truth. The truth shall set you free, and if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed, Jesus was very much about us looking like Him, not us making faith about who, not us making religion about who, not us making Jesus about who, but that we would begin to hear. How many times in our lives have we reasoned our way around what Jesus said? He made a declaration, and we reasoned our way around it. Oh, at very best, we say, well, He'll forgive us. Who's done that before? Come on. He'll forgive us. He's gracious. At the very least, we say, that's not really what He meant. Okay, who's with me right now? That's not really what He meant. One of the things I've come to the conclusion is, Jesus said it. I have to believe it because is it because it is the only truth that I see anywhere. 
I'm going to use the nation I know best, good old U.S. of A. We have been trying to create our own truth for the last 200 years, have we not? And where has it gotten us? To the point where now we have a generation that is really struggling to believe anything called absolute truth, but they're completely discontent and dissatisfied because they have nothing to hold on to called truth. Right? So we've pushed them away from what is truth, and His name is who? We've pushed them away from Jesus, but then they are dying inside because they need what? Truth. They need Jesus. Amen? Oh, man, I love it. Rock with me there, Chandler. What Jesus are we serving? What Jesus are we serving? Now, I am trusting and believing today that you guys are serving the Son of the living God. Amen? Oh, come on, church. Amen? You're serving the Son of the living God. And He is the one that brings salvation. You do not get to the Father but through Him. Amen? Okay, that has nothing to do with what I was going to talk about today. John 17, if you could. Actually, it kind of does. But I just want to dive in just for a moment. John 17 is one of my, one of my favorite areas of Scripture. John 17 is, is this amazing, amazing prayer that Jesus prays. First, He prays to the Father regarding Himself. Then He prays about the eleven the disciples, the 11 disciples, because, of course, Judas is no longer in the picture or will no longer be in the picture at that point. Jesus also is praying for us as believers. And where I want to hone in today is those verses found between 20 and 26. John 17, 20 through 26. So I'm just going to read them very quickly, and then we'll go from there. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, and may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you give me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity." Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory and the glory you have given me because you've loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. Number one, when Jesus starts to pray, I love it. You say, of course, He's God, he's, but He's still operating as a man with the Holy Spirit leading Him. Get this, Jesus is praying with expectancy. That means what He's praying, He's believing is going to what? It's going to happen. And see, many times we have heard, I've heard preach from the pulpits, this particular area of Scripture is called the, unan many times they call it the unanswered prayer of a call of unity to the church. 
They say it hasn't happened yet. The church has not unified yet because there's so many divisions. There's so many denominations. There's so many different gatherings of people and so many beliefs, and it just hasn't happened yet. And I would have to say, hold on. Um, I believe it started in Acts chapter 2 when it said, and they were in one accord. They were in unity, and who showed up in the upper room? The Holy Spirit. I believe that prayer is being answered daily in many sectors of the world because I'm going to tell you right now, I can't rely on White Hill Church and Destiny Family Center and Stuart Strat Baptist and, and, and Valley Baptist and Calvary Methodist. I can't rely on us all getting our act together because we're human beings and many times we fail. Most of the time we fail. What I can rely on is the fact that there are brothers and sisters that I encounter all through the week that we know. Have you ever come up to a person, you know they're a believer and you didn't even ask? You know what I'm saying? Come on. You know they're a believer. Why? It's not because you have that ESP stuff. It's because your spirit, their spirit, are communing with the spirit. You're connected. Amen? You're connected. And you know that. And I believe we see that more and more and more, this connection. So through this section of Scripture, what we see is this consistent call. Now, I'm going to read three different areas in the Scripture, and I want you to tell me what the overall uh, theme is of this prayer he's praying. You ready? Verse 21, that all of them may be what? One. Okay? Verse 22, the end of it, that they may be what? As we are, one. And in verse 23, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Perfect unity is what the King James says. Where we are made as one. Unity. How many like that word unity? Hey, you know what? As long as I got Chandler up here, at least I got one person awake. Who knows what unity is? I didn't say uniformity. Unity. I tell you what, I don't look anything like Dave Thompson. I don't look anything like him. I don't think like him. But we have the same spirit. Right? And if we are both surrendering to that Spirit and we are being transformed in our thinking and in our lives, we are being what? Unified. We don't even have to think about it, do we? That's why I said, how many know a person is a believer before you ever even ask? You know there's a unity there, amen? You know it's there, and the Holy Spirit does that. Now, what does this unity look like? Well, let me just read, you, read to you what this unity looks like. And I am going somewhere with this, so just bear with me. Some foundational stuff. This is what this unity looks like, and just hear me. Let it blanket over you. This is out of Philippians 2, okay? Here it is. Therefore, if any of you have encouragement for being united with Christ, 
if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So the bottom line is, unity is a lack of self and packed out with love for one another because of the Holy Spirit we serve. Amen? We're united around that. Now, here's the beautiful part. It says here in Philippians 2, one more time, it says, and I I don't want you to miss this, okay? In Philippians, it says this at the very beginning. In order to attain that kind of love for one another and that that, that removal of, of self, guess what? It says, if you're encouraged by being united in Christ... Now, this is where we're going to land this plane today, because you're probably thinking I'm all over the map. I want you to hear me. We've been called to unity. Who knows that? We're going to find out why we must be unified, but we've been called to unity. I'm going to tell you what, church. If you are not in unity with a brother or sister in the, in, in the body here, how many know when you're not in unity with someone? If you're not in unity with a brother or sister in the body, it's not because of them. There's something with the unity you have with Christ that's wrong. Because if there's something wrong in your unity with Christ, then there's something wrong with your unity in the body. You can always step back and look. If we have an issue with unity in the body, it's because as individuals, there is a problem with our unity with who? Christ. And what is wrong? It's called self. It's called me, me. Me, 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 me. How many know that discord amongst the body is always tracked back to somebody with a selfish ambition? Amen? Always backtrack to that. I've heard people gripe in church about the craziest things. I've heard people gripe in church about legitimate things. But I'm going to tell you what, if you have a spirit of griping, you're the problem. Now, don't amen because you believe that for the person sitting next to you right now, okay? I just saw some elbows got thrown there. Amen, amen. Guys, it all starts with our unity in Christ in order for us then to have unity as the body. Amen? So you want to know why some churches go through the craziest things? Did I ever tell you a little story about that little church in Kentucky? One, I believe the one was called... Peg Church, and the other one was called No Peg Church. I'm not lying. Obviously a tiny church. Are you going to take it from here, Chandler? Here, stay right here. Good, 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 good. So, oh, stay right here. Stay right here with your one good arm. Lord, thank you for healing this other arm here in Jesus' name. Some people were struggling a little bit about where to hang their coats in this church on Sunday mornings. So the pastor took it upon himself, I oh, don't let it slide off, don't let it slide off, to put a peg up in the wall so that he, people could hang their jackets on Sunday mornings. You say, oh, this is so piddly. Yep, it is. Hung that peg up on the wall. First Sunday there, guess what happened? 
There were some people that were angry that the pastor never consulted them about the peg in the wall. Never consulted us. And the pastor's like, it's a peg to hang your jacket. No. They were not happy. They wanted to be consulted. They felt left out. Thus ends the story, right? So these people, this is no lie, these people, these people, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do this with you, ready? So these people, I love Chandler, and I'm, am I breaking your neck, Chandler? I don't know, I can't tell. <laughs> He's like, oh, Lord, Pastor Dave just broke my neck. Thank you for healing that arm in Jesus' name. Let's just pray for Chandler. Lord, thank you for healing that arm in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for just blessing him like crazy. And I thank you. He will come to know you as Lord and Savior as he grows, and he will grow to be the man of God you've called him to. In Jesus' holy name and all God's people, believe it and say, amen, amen. So these people decided they were angry at the pastor. They were angry at the pastor that, they did th- that he did this. So they started their own church and called it No Peg Church. No Peg Church. I'm going to ask you guys right now, is that kind of division godly? Is that kind of division biblical? And yet I will tell you, nine times out of ten, the issues we have in any congregation are about as silly as that. Because it's all about who? Amen? Come on now, amen? Those people had a problem with their unity in Christ. Did they even know Jesus? What's Jesus were they serving? That's why I ask you guys right now, let's just bow our heads again. Lord, are we serving you? Are we united in you? Have we surrendered our lives to you? Are we exactly who you called us to be? Are you, Lord? Jesus, we need you. Oh, how we need you. We need you, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that you are who you say you are. I thank you that, Jesus, you are the Son of the living God. I thank you, Jesus, right now that you came because you loved Dave Chappell. You came because you loved Aaron Thompson. You came because this name, Mitch Moore. And, Lord, you came because you loved Susan McDaniel. I thank you in Jesus' name that you came on our behalf. And, Jesus, What you say is truth, and we are called to walk in the obedience of your truth. But, Lord, we do that because we love you, because you first loved us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I don't have to make you be what I want you to be. You've already called me to be what you are in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, for changing us and transforming us. I thank you, Lord, that when we struggle, you are there. I thank you that, Lord, when we are glorifying your name, your presence is there. I thank you, Lord, that you minister to our hearts, Lord. You are there. I thank you, Jesus, for doing the impossible. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, Jesus, right now, I'm trusting everyone sitting here, we all focus on the fact that Jesus... You are who you say you are. You have done what you said you'd done, and we surrender our lives to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Make us one, Lord. Make us one in you.
as you promised you would. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Guys, I think this is so important that we realize who it is that we serve. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. Amen. Now, here's the thing. Now, are we focused on the Jesus we serve? Now, do you know that that brother or sister sitting next to you? Then you are young. Do you know that today they are serving the same Jesus? Do you know that today there are people here that are broken and hurting? And the Lord may be calling you as a united body to just love them, minister to them. There may be people here today that are broken in spirit that don't even know Jesus, and the Lord has called you in unity to love them and, and, and declare the gospel to them. Mm. You know, that first verse says, Jesus prayed that you would become one. You know who he was uniting you with? He was uniting you with, with the disciples that he had just prayed for earlier because he said, Lord, send forth those disciples, and I pray they send the truth, and as they take the truth that many would believe. And, Lord, I want to thank you right now that you have connected us with that truth and make us one around that truth. So I'm going to ask you right now, White Hill Church, do you take hold of the truth of Jesus right now? Do you? Do you take hold of the truth of Jesus Christ right now in Jesus' name? Who here does that right now? Come on, let's just say, it, 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 action. I take hold of the truth. He is the truth. What He says is truth, and that truth will set me free as I walk it out and obey it and live it. Amen? Amen? We take hold of that right now in Jesus' name. Mm. Come on, let that settle in. We take hold of that. Can you tell that brother or sister sitting next to you, hey, I take hold of the truth of Jesus. Let's do this together. The second verse coming out of verse 22, it says, I pray that they become one as you and I are one. See, Jesus is saying, hey, Father, you and I are one. <laughs> we are God. <laughs> you love me, I love you. We are one. And I want this body to be one as well in spirit. So I'm going to ask you guys right now, who willingly says, Father, I want to do your will? Who's that right now? Come on, who says that? I'm really challenging you guys today. Today's a different message. I'm challenging you. Who says, Father, I want to do your will? I want to do your will. So if we're taking hold of the truth, and how many know that the Lord will speak to your hearts today and send you where He wants to send you and call you to where He wants to call you and put you where He wants to put you in this place today or out in those, outside of those four walls? How many know that today? He will bring you to that place. I want to do your will. How many know that Jesus continually said He was God? He was God's Son. And what was His statement all the time? I'm here to do my Father's what? I'm here to do my Father's what? Guess what we're called? Crazy. Oh, it was crazy. 
Two days ago, I was reading in my scripture. For two days, actually, the scriptures I was reading had everything to do with the world will hate you because of me. The world will hate you because of me. The world will despise you because of me. And then you have good old Jeremiah the prophet going, woe is me. I wish I could just shut my mouth and not say anything. But then it burns like fire in my bones, and then I got to, and then they hate me for it. Well, how many know the world hates truth? How many know that Satan hates truth? How many know that Satan runs from truth? So he'll do anything to do what? Shut you. Amen? No, but Jesus said, I pray that they, just like us, they will do your will because they know the truth. So how many know the truth today? Come on, how many know the truth of the gospel? So how many then know the truth of the gospel directs you to do the will of the Father? Amen? Amen? Okay, and so it's really cool that in verse 23 says, okay, and I'm also praying that they be in complete and utter perfect unity. You know what that looks like? And this is the coolest part of them all. Just look real quick in verse 23. I'm a little excited right now. I apologize. I and them. No, I don't. I and them, and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Now, here's the thing. Jesus in the flesh knew who he was. He knew what his identity was. I am the Messiah. Amen? He knew that. He knew that he was the Word come flesh. He knew that. His identity was, I am. Wow, you say, wow, that would have just shook some Pharisees up. It did. But he knew his identity. Now, I'm going to say this to you right now. Do you know your identity in Christ? Do you know who you are in Him? Because I'm going to tell you what, if you know the truth, the truth points you to do the Father's will. As you walk out the Father's will, you find out who you are. Do you know who I am? I am this big old mess named Dave Chappell that has tried to perform CPR on the old sinful me 10,000 times, trying to raise that thing back up as if that dead person is going to do something. How many have effectively done something successful in your life that has eternal fruit in your flesh? And yet... What, what part of us do we constantly try to resurrect? I mean, we all should be CPR certified, right? We're all the time trying to, because what did Paul say? He said, the old has gone, the new has come. That old creature is dead. I am a new creation, right? When we're baptized, we're baptized and put under the water as a symbol of what going into the tomb. The old, the self, and it dying, and what's coming up, the resurrected me filled with the Spirit of God Almighty. Because I'm crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Jesus lives in me. It's no longer me, it's who? And the more I walk, you guys, I know it sounds like a broken record, and that's fine. One of these days we're all going to get this, and we're gonna, this is going to become our identity because we know I was created to look like my Maker. I was created to look like Jesus in everything. And I'm so glad it has nothing to do with physical looks because I can't grow long hair. 
It has everything to do with the heart, the spirit. I look like my, I look like my Jesus. That's what I look like. That's the identity you've been called to, to look like Jesus. Now, after you get past the, I'm not, and start declaring over yourself on that, you might kill that part, and start declaring, it's not even my decision. He wants me to look like Him. Right? So, how many take hold of the truth? How many know that the truth points us to do the will of the Father? And as we walk out the will of the Father, we start to look like who? Jesus. And the more that look like Jesus, the greater unity we have in this body. You know what perfect unity is? We all realize we are all on the level ground at the foot of the cross. Amen? And do you know what starts to happen then? I'm just going to ask you directly, why unity? Why does Jesus harp so heavy on unity? Why does He want us to know the truth? Why does He want us to do the Father's will? Why does He want us looking like Him? Why? He answers it in John 17, verse 23, the second half. Check this out. Here we go. You ready? He says, Then the world will what? Know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. How many know that a church, a body of believers, so-called, that are not in unity, can destroy another person's understanding of Jesus? Come on! Do you know the most, I believe, the most divisive and detrimental thing on this planet is a body of believers that are not in unity? I'm going to say it one more time because I'm hoping you'll catch it. I think one of the most dangerous and divisive things in this world that can destroy a person's hope, chance, and dream, not their hope, but their, uh, destroy the avenue they may be going towards the Lord is to represent a Jesus in a disunified way and do nothing but shut down their understanding of this wonderful Savior we serve. Oh, we're not going to, you mean we can't ever have disagreements? There's a big difference between having a disagreement in a godly way And there's a bigger difference between having a disagreement when love is still at the forefront, come on, as opposed to having to prove your point. I've seen far too many people stomp out the doors of churches never to return with nothing but unresolved and anger towards the people that were in that church. And so guess what happens with that baggage? Next church. Next church. And then we wonder why the church in America looks like what? If only the church would unify together. That's what the Lord's been doing for 2,000 years. Take hold of truth. Do my will and know that you're Because that's what brings you. Everything else, get your eyes off of. Because that's what brings unity. That's what draws us together, and that is what displays the glory of God to those around us. I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> I, I, I've been neck deep in ministry since I was two months old. When you have grandfathers and great-grandfathers and great-uncles and great-aunts and cousins 17 times removed and all in ministry... I will tell you right now, it's a sheer miracle that I stand here today because I love Jesus, but I wanted nothing to do with ministry. Nothing. 
I had no desire to be in ministry. I didn't have any desire to be in full-time ministry. I didn't. The Lord just had a different idea, and he double-crossed me. And that's what he does. You know the Lord will double-cross you at times, right? Because when he's called you, how many have been called by the Lord? When he's called you, oh, he's not going to pound you, but he's, he's going to be unrelentless in terms of, guess what? You run away from what my purpose is for you. This is found in Jeremiah 17, 18, somewhere on there. You run away from my purpose that I have for you. I can't bless you. I can't bless you. So you're running all over creation doing your thing that you think you want to do because that's your expectations and your plans. Guess what? He can't bless it. And then you wonder why life is not turning out the way you thought it should be. Oh, some of my favorite shows as a teenager was VH1, Behind the Music. Anybody remember those? Oh, I talked about all the bands that made $50 million a year and blah, 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 blah. And they were dying. They either died a drug overdose or they killed themselves or, you know, this and that happened. And it was always these stories of redemption. Why? You had it all. Oh, the blood of Jesus washes white as snow. Oh, you know what, White Hill? We're called White Hill for a reason. You can call us prophetic. I believe that we're called it for a reason because we are called to be a city on a hill. We're the light of the world. Not only is that on an individual basis, that is also on a corporate basis. See, why are you harping on this today? Because you're the ones that have to listen to me. And here's the funny part. You know what divisiveness and what the enemy wants to do to try to convert? I bet some of been nothing. Pastor Dave's preaching on this today. What happened? Nothing. I was reading my Bible. Okay, some laughed and some are still looking at me. I promise you, nothing's going on. I was reading my Bible. But I'm going to tell you what, the Lord wants to unify every heart in this place. Oh, He does. And not for your purposes just to be like, oh, it feels so good to be part of a family. Yes, it does. It's wonderful. I'm so glad to be a part of the family of God. Amen? It's wonderful, but it's got a bigger purpose. When we are together in unity around the Spirit of God, taking hold of truth, moving in His will, and you know what? Looking like Jesus, it's not just a light. It is a beacon of truth. Why does an individual congregation fall apart? Because they have lost sight of truth. They have lost sight of the Father's will, and they have lost sight of the fact that they were called to look like their Savior. Oh, who hears that today? Man, can you imagine what the hundred and... 40 of us here today, 130, 140 of us today. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what would happen if we were in perfect unity? I will tell you right now, you don't have to do a whole lot of outreach events. 
Anybody ever seen the little blue light on your deck that attracts the mosquitoes? Fortunately, that leads to death. This would lead to life. Amen? You say, oh, come on now. No, because what happens is when we're in perfect unity around the truth, guess who's being lifted up? He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. For those of us then that are going to be like, oh, great. Well, we could be unified if it wasn't for Dirk Smiley, for crying out loud. So you're sitting there now going, oh, brother. And so everything that Dirk does, even if he's picky or he's whatnot, you're like, oh, great. We're just never going to get there. Way to go, Dirk. No beacon of light now. Now, I know I'm being a little over-exaggerating, but I'm going to tell you right now, you are just as wrong because that's not what a spirit of unity and believe for who God's already called. It's like Dirk really just needs to be intercessed for and believed for who God's already called him to be. <laughs> I love it when I call up the district office because Sarah Long, the secretary, administrative assistant for Shenandoah District Church of the Brethren, this is how she always answers the phone. Hello? And hey, Sarah, this is, this is Dave. How are you, mighty, handsome prince of God? The first couple times I'm like, woo! That felt a little weird. That's how I had to take hold of it. She does. She says it. But daughter, beautiful daughter of God. I'm like, hello, yes, hello. She is declaring truth over me over the phone. Oh, I would just love a Sunday where you guys are walking up to each other, creeping each other out. And that's only because our flesh gets creeped out. Our spirit's getting built up, right? Danny, you handsome, mighty prince of God. See, he couldn't even say it back yet. It just goes against the flesh, doesn't it? The flesh is like, you don't know what to do with it. This is too over the top. I don't get it. Now, come on, guys. Now, we're laughing because we know what our flesh does. We start talking truth, and our flesh is like, oh, that's so weird. Right? When we are in unity and the Spirit of God is allowed to flow in our midst, you better believe one of your biggest goals is to declare truth over the person next to you. Instead of sitting in isolation, not wanting to interact with them. Oh, but I'm not a people person. I didn't ask you to be. Jesus did. Oh, what? I think I said it last week. I saw this sign that said, uh, it's a cat, grumpy cat's face. And underneath it says, ooh, people. Ah. <laughs> oh. And it's funny, and that is what the enemy wants us to think of others. But whether we like it or not, I always have to go back to what did Jesus walk through? How many times did he give of himself all the time, and how many times did people shut him down most of the time? 
And yet, what did he keep doing? Father, for unity. So let me, let me land this plane right now. What they're doing. What happens when we're in unity? So let me, let me land this plane right now. I could keep going. Hebrews 10.25 has been used over the years in order to get people back in church. It says, do not forsake the gathering of the body. It does say that. And I believe that it's, it's very important to be gathering together. But I'm going to tell you what, I'm not going to use that verse completely out of line when there's more to it than that. I want to read this to you. It says this, uh, starting in verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How can I encourage Alex Woods? How can I encourage Dave Cash? How can I uh, encourage any of you guys to operate in the will of the Father? How can I do that? By just coming up alongside of you and, and declaring who you are in Him. But this is what it goes on to say, so we don't miss it here. It says, um, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Now, here's the thing, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. What day are we talking about? We're talking about that day of judgment, when those that are under the wrath of God, and you say, but I thought God's wrath was spent on the cross. It was. But the only way to get under that is by under calling on Jesus as Lord and Savior. So for unbelievers who are not under Christ Jesus, that is still a day of wrath. Do you understand that? And it's saying all the, all the more as that day approaches. Well, here's number one. When we're in unity and we're operating together in unity with Christ and in unity with one another, as Jesus said, you're not coming out of His hand. Right? He wants you to keep growing and keep moving. You are protected by God Almighty because you've been saved. Amen? But it's also saying this, given it in light of what the purpose of unity is, according to John 17, the Lord needs us gathering together that we be a light to the who. Guys, the day's approaching. How much more does this world need a church that's unified perfectly? I'm going to ask you one more time. How many, uh, how much does the world need a church that is in unity in Christ? Or do you care? It is vital that we be gathered together. It is vital that we encourage one another, that we take hold of the truth, we do the will of the Father, and we know who we are and we declare that over one another in love. More than ever before, the world needs us to get our act together. I'm just going to start right here. I'm going to say it one more time. More than ever before, the world needs us to get our act together. Amen? 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 Amen. More than ever before, the world needs us to get our eyes off of and on that they may know. Just so um, you don't forget, you were called by God for this exact purpose. Don't ever, ever let Satan tell you you are purposeless. There is a life out there that needs to know Him, and you are part of being the vessel to present Jesus to that person. Amen? And White Hill, 
big, small, whatever. We are here for such a time as this, as a city on a hill, a light in the darkness, not because of anything we do, but because we took hold of the truth. We desire to serve the Father's will and do the Father's will, and we know who we are called to look like. Amen. Who's hearing today? Jesus, we just thank you and we praise you, Father. I know there's a lot of things going on and just as I shared, but Lord, the reality is our flesh always wants to try to shut us down. The enemy wants to shut us down from truth. And the bottom line is this, God, we have been called to something mighty. So let's just stand right now where we are. Let's just stand right where we are. And I hate to do this. I just made my dad walk up to the organ. But could you guys just hold off and not play anything yet? Now, just, just for a moment. This is what I want you to do. There's somebody sitting next to you that just needs to be blessed by you. And in the unity of what we've been called to as a body, can you just bless them? You don't have to touch them. You don't have to do whatever. I mean, if you don't feel comfortable, just bless them. In Jesus' name. Thank you for what you created them to be. Thank you for ministering to them. Thank you for pouring out your spirit over them. Thank you for fulfilling what it is you called them to be. Thank you, Lord, for setting them free. Thank you, Lord, for ministering to their hearts. Thank you for loving them in the midst of struggle right now. Thank you for undergirding them. Thank you for handsome and beautiful. Because they are mighty sons and daughters of God, handsome and beautiful, created to be what God has called them to be. And here we are gathered today in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bind our hearts together, for you are good and greatly to be praised. Lord, thank you, Father. If in your heart right now you believe there's someone here that you just need to go to, say, hey, I just want to bless you right now, then you know what? You better do that. If there's someone you believe just needs to, you just feel led to go pray over them, do that. Be so unified as a body that you know that as the Lord sends us amongst one another here just to minister and to pour into one another, that we operate accordingly. Because that is, that is what leads to the light that draws all men. Lord, thank you for unifying our hearts. And I thank you for continuing to do it daily. May we operate in truth, your will, and the identity you've given us. To God be the glory. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' holy name and all God's people said, amen.